Hello, and welcome to the Brunch with BBB podcast, featuring your hosts, Louise Belize and Katherine Honeycutt of BBB Serving Eastern North Carolina. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Brunch with BBB. My name is Katherine Honeycutt, and I have my lovely co-host with me. Hi, guys. This is Louise. And we're so excited to be back. Again, as I mentioned, this is another episode. So with all episodes, we have a special guest. And our special guest today is Jerry Jackson from WNCT. Welcome, Jerry. Well, thank you for having me this afternoon. I see you're getting used to the working from home thing, too, like everyone else is now. (laughs) At least trying to, yes, yes. Trying our best, um, you know, still dealing with all the ins and outs of it all. But uh, we're glad to have you. For our listeners, we're going to talk a little bit about hurricane season, um, what that means, what we can expect, as well as the impacts it could have on consumers and businesses this year. Um, You know, we've already seen a lot of hits, as you mentioned, people working from home from coronavirus and um, just how this year is going to be a little different. So before we dive into all that, Jerry, I'd love for you to share with our listeners a little bit about yourself, maybe your background, you know, are you from the area, you know, where, how long have you been reporting, all that good stuff. Sure. Um, uh, I am from Eastern North Carolina originally, so I grew up in Wayne County, um, not too far away from Goldsboro, a little place called Mount Olive, that was my hometown, and uh, I got interested in weather really as a kid. All the way back when I was in the second grade, we actually had a tornado outbreak cut through my hometown. And it was a fairly sizable tornado outbreak. Uh, We had, um, well, goodness, in the span of about nine hours, roughly 22 tornadoes across North and South Carolina touched down. Over 50 people killed during that event. And when you go through an event like that as a small kid like I was, to be honest, it it really scared me a lot. And for years after that, uh, I really had a, I guess you would almost call a phobia of, of weather. I really developed a fear of severe thunderstorms. So uh, without even realizing that every time we had a thunderstorm, you know, come up at my house, I was making mental observations, you know, okay, if the thunderstorm's coming from the east, do we have a better chance of getting it? If it's coming from the west, uh, if the sky is purple or if the sky is blue, you know, just simple observations that as a kid, I was not even aware I was doing. And the older I became, obviously, a lot of the fear went away. You start learning more about weather. You learn that not every thunderstorm creates tornadoes. So I really started developing an interest in severe weather and decided to uh, study to become a meteorologist. So I went to uh, NC State from 1994 to 1998. Go Wolfpack. Um, I'm a fellow Wolfpacker. All right. Good. It's so hard to find them sometimes. I feel like I I'm know, surrounded not, by Carolina not fans. Everyone, not everyone can make good decisions. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Um, when, I, when I graduated NC State, I, I started working at a little TV station down in Wilmington, uh, WWAY. My degree is in meteorology. And I started out as a, a weekend met back in uh, 1998. And one year after I started, of course, we got um, Hurricanes Dennis and Hurricane Floyd. So those were uh, two of the first big storms that I covered as weekend meteorologist in the Wilmington, North Carolina market. And I wound up staying in the Wilmington area for about 17 years. And uh, as we got a little older, my wife and I decided to move back a little closer to home. And so I took the job here with WNCT. 
um, about, uh, well, back in 2014 is when I started here. So uh, when I was in Wilmington, I was there for 17 years. I was a weekend met. I did morning meteorology position and I became a chief meteorologist down there and did that for several years. And then I took the job as chief meteorologist here at WNCT. So I've been here since 2014. And uh, as you well know, we've had quite a few hurricanes since 2014 too. So it's been a busy stretch. Yeah. Man, that's fascinating, Jerry. And you know, I'm super excited just to know a little bit more about the storms, the tropical storms, um, the hurricanes. So let's start, let's start with our first question. This year we saw, you know, multiple storms already, tropical storms, even before the hurricane season started. Um, is this typical or, or is this like a unique situation? You know, that's a great question. I don't know if I would classify it as typical. Um, you know, we, we don't, if you look at North Carolina, if you were strictly going to play the odds about when to expect a hurricane or landfall in North Carolina, uh, August and September are usually our two busiest months, just on average in North Carolina. Now, the season technically runs from June through November, and it does that for a reason, because sometimes you can get early season storms. Um, it is not unprecedented to have tropical storms, even hurricanes forming outside of the season. Uh, there was a hurricane, I believe uh, Alma was the name back in uh, 1970. It was a category one hurricane that hit uh, down along the Gulf Coast states. Um, even here uh, in, in North Carolina, we had Alberto, which was a tropical storm. That was back in 2012. So uh, the, you can have early, early season storms even in May and in June. It is not typical. It is not the norm. Uh, you can go many years and not have any, any problems from the tropics, especially in North Carolina, uh, you know, in May and June. But every now and then you have a storm you have to watch. I know back in July of um, uh, 1996, we actually had a hurricane that affected us uh, during that time, Hurricane Bertha. Many residents remember that. So it, it's not it's not impossible, but it is it is not certainly not typical. We don't have tropical systems every year in May or June to worry about. Okay, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, so what is it, um, what's this year's hurricane season expected to look like? Do you think it's going to be better or you think it's going to be worse than previous years? Than previous years, I know that a few years we had hurricanes and storms back to back, and we were like, "Oh my goodness, what's going on?" Right. Um, you know, in answer to your question about what's the forecast looking like, the first answer is it depends on which forecast you're, you're looking at. <laughs> Way back a long time ago, um, Colorado State University, a scientist by the name of Bill Gray, uh, they they really kind of got the public focusing on seasonal forecasts. They were one of the first teams to formally assemble a seasonal forecast and push it out to the public where it could be digested by anyone who wanted to see it. Uh, over the years, now a lot of entities are starting to come out with their own forecast. Of course, mm -hmm. NOAA, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration has their big forecast. Uh, NC State has their own uh, tropical forecast. So a lot of universities are getting in on that, that forecasting uh, I call it kind of the forecasting game. So it depends on which set you're looking at. In terms of NOAA, which is kind of uh, one of the more standard outlooks we would look at, they are forecasting um, an above normal season, slightly above normal. Uh, that would mean between 13 and 19 named systems um, and, you know, by named systems reaching at least tropical storm strength. Six to 10 uh, systems possibly becoming hurricanes, three to six systems becoming major hurricanes. So that is the latest official prediction from NOAA. 
uh, when I, whenever I talk about a prediction, I always like to throw out just a couple of things to consider. First of all, just, you know, let's say we were to see 13 named storms. Doesn't mean they're all coming for North Carolina. <laughs> so we always want to emphasize that. Um, the, the seasonal projections do not have any specific data about landfall targets necessarily. So uh, you can have a year with many storms and they may never affect you. You can have a year with very few storms and those one or two that hit you, then it becomes a bad year. So it, to a certain extent, it's relative. But technically, if you're looking at NOAA, slightly above normal forecast this season. Okay. I don't know about you, Catherine, but I can sit here just listening to him talk about this. This is so exciting. I know. I know. It's crazy. It, it's crazy to think of and um, sometimes hard to wrap your, your brain around, you know, um, just how far in advance that you can predict these things. Um, but at the same time, it's weather, so it can change on a dime and, and it's really out of our control. Um, but that, that does lead me to our next question of just with your background and your experience, um, we were talking about actually before we hopped on that we interviewed Maria Satira a couple months ago. Um, and it was really cool to hear her perspective of when the local community gets impacted because with working, you know, in a news capacity, you may see things and hear things that are different than what everyone else is seeing and hearing. And so I'm curious you know, we do, you know, our Eastern coast has been hit before. So in your many years of reporting in Eastern North Carolina, how have you seen hurricanes impact, you know, the Eastern coast and impact not just the everyday person, but businesses and, um, and all those things, you know, what's been your experience with that, that might be a little different than what we may see in here? It's, it is mentally exhausting, is the best way I know to put it. Um, from, from the perspective of a forecaster, uh, we, we're always looking at the tropics. And I'll give you an example, uh, Hurricane Florence uh, back in 2018. We were tracking that storm for, you know, goodness, almost two weeks. And I remember a long time before it hit. I mean, this was in the early stages when it was still way out in the Atlantic. Uh, it started taking a little more of a northerly course. Now, this was when it was still just off the coast of Africa. And when a storm starts turning north that early, a lot of times they just go out to sea and they, and they never affect us. And then about uh, four or five days later, abruptly over the course of one evening, one night, we started seeing a very sharp turn in the forecast track while Florence was still out over open water, still you know, a good week or so away from the U.S. But once we saw that turn, we knew that, okay, now there are gonna be track adjustments. Now the models are gonna start adjusting to pick up that turn. And with each passing day, it became more and more likely, you know, this, this is a legitimate threat to the East Coast. What was concerning though, was I remember uh, about a week out looking at some of the forecast models and the model projections at that time, I could look out and tell where Florence was expected to go in about a week. And some of the model projections had Florence sitting right on the North Carolina coast. I'm like, okay, that's not good. Let me see where it's going to be the next day. So I clicked forward and it was still sitting at the North Carolina coast. I said, okay, let me click forward. And I thought at first something's wrong with the model. You know, yeah. it's hung, there's a glitch in it, something's not updated. And then it dawned on me that the date on the model was changing. It's just that the position of the storm was not changing. And right. when I saw that, it was like, my goodness, this thing is not only going to hit us, it's going to sit here for four days. 
three yeah. days or whatever. And so even a week out, I had had experience with, uh, with uh, uh, um, Floyd back in 1999. I remember what the flooding was like with that. Of course, we had just had Matthew a couple of years ago, a few years ago, back in 2016. So we had kind of a reference point in our mind to know what a storm of this size and strength could do if it were to sit out and, and almost stall for three or four days. And you know, when you first start seeing the model projections of rainfall, the model projections at one point in time were spitting out possible rainfall totals that we could see of 12 inches, 20 inches. And once it starts spitting out projections over 20 inches, you just stand back and you say, okay, surely not. But from experience of having gone through Matthew and having gone through Floyd of, of what we knew could happen, those model projections made sense. And so very early, we tried to emphasize this is going to be a flooding event like we've never seen before in North Carolina. And indeed, we all know what happened when Florence hit. Uh, we had some parts of eastern North Carolina pick up over 30 inches of rain. And you have to understand that some of these towns and cities only pick up, you know, 50, 55 inches of rain for an entire year on average. So you're talking about dumping over half, some cases almost three quarters of a year's supply of rain in two or three days. And there's no way for us to handle that volume of water. Uh, even places that don't ordinarily flood will flood. Mm -hmm. And so in the day of social media now, um, one of the most exhausting things for us is to craft a forecast message mm -hmm. that people will remember. Because if you think about it, we can spend all of our time looking at our models, putting together a carefully worded forecast and then post it. And five minutes after we post it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in, in, instantly 200 comments pop up. Yeah. And they'll say, well, I saw this model say this, that model say that, that's, you know, and, and, and before you know it, people have lost track of your message and blended it together with five other messages. So it is exhausting staying on top of just the basic forecast message. Um, I always, I kind of joke with folks who are just starting in the business. Um, meteorologists are very, uh, they're very passionate people sometimes about their study. And you'll hear new meteorologists say, oh my goodness, I can't wait till I, I, I know what it's like to forecast my first hurricane. Huh. I try to tell them, you know, when you live in an area and you feel that hurricane and it does damage at your house and it hurts a relative that you know, it's not fun to track. It becomes life and death, real life. And I can always tell a, a seasoned meteorologist who's had years of experience in the business because they understand that. The, this is something that affects people. And when you have a, a, a person who loses a home or loses a business, it takes away your sense of security. And, and from that point forward, forever you always wonder, okay, when the next storm hits, am I going to flood this time? Am I going to have to rebuild again? It's a, it's a mentally draining thing to go through forecasting it and living through it. And, you know, I, I try to emphasize to people, sometimes they forget we're forecasters, but we live here too. You know, we have to board up our homes. We have to make sure our families are protected. And many of the people that work here at our station, they may live some distance away from where they work. Um, I do too. So when the floodwaters rise, we get cut off from home too. So in the instance of Hurricane Florence, uh, say, we had uh, some staff that were actually camped out in hotels and in this building for up to a week uh, before they could actually get back home. We're subject to floodwaters just like everyone else. So it's a, it, it, 
somebody asked me, what's your favorite kind of weather to track as a meteorologist? I tell them a sunny day. That's what I like. <laughs> best. I, mean, I, I, I don't, I don't like tracking hurricanes and tornadoes because I know what they can do. Right. Yeah. And, and like you mentioned in the beginning, kind of your background and the whole reason you went into this was because the experience you had as a child going through a storm. And so if anything, it gave you that humility to approach these storms is you know what they can do Absolutely. and you know how it can affect people. And so that's such a cool perspective that I don't think a lot of people get to hear because um, we, we can see the damage on TV and everything, but hearing your perspective of you know having to watch this storm for weeks and and updating people on where it is and where it's going and yet at the same time five minutes could make a world of a difference you have a whole new projection you know it, it's i can imagine it's exhausting that's crazy absolutely. absolutely so with that i'm curious you know with everything you've seen and experienced what are ways that um, consumers can help during these times, whether it's, you know, keeping themselves maybe educated on what's going on or, you know, even post storms, how can they support the local community? How can they, you know, they may be trying to rebuild their own stuff, but how do they help that economy at the same time? Well, you know, a, a lot of storm preps and what to do before a storm hits and what to do after it boils down to, I like to say, common sense. A lot of it. It really does. Um, you know, after the storm hits is not the time you want to be hunting for an insurance paper or a document that you need. Uh, we, we focus so much, and, and I understand why, on storm preps, you know, making sure we have bottled water, food, you know, batteries, flashlights, all that's great but your basic documents that you need for a home or for a business. Uh, know, you know, know who your insurance contact is, you know, what you need to do. Uh, there are so many practical things that must be done. Also, we've become so accustomed to, uh, I know this is really basic, but it's true. We've become so accustomed to our technology now. Um, you forget Hurricane Florence, uh, Hurricane Matthew, these storms caused catastrophic levels of damage, but by the time they made it to North Carolina, they were relatively weak storms when they got here, believe it or not. Um, you know, Hurricane Florence, I think at one point in time was a category four hurricane while it was still out over the water, but by the time it made landfall, it had weakened a lot. Now it moved slowly, so we got all the flooding rain. Um, Matthew, same thing. Matthew was a category five storm uh, down towards the Caribbean Sea, but by the time it got to North Carolina, it was barely hanging on as a category one. So these storms weaken. And the reason I say all this, it's been a while since we have had a landfall from a category three hurricane. Uh, I mean, category three at landfall. Uh, Hurricane Fran back in the mid 1990s was a category three when it hit. And so Fran just didn't bring flooding. Fran brought wind damage far inland um, to the point where you know, your, your, your power, your infrastructure was damaged for an extended period of time. And I think sometimes there's in such a reliance on our computers and, and it's been a while since we've been without power for two weeks or three weeks in some of these areas. Now, some were hit hard just because of the water, you know, with Florence and whatnot, but in terms of wide-reaching wind damage from a major landfalling hurricane, something like that, if, if, if you're so tied to the computer, the internet, and you don't have other common sense ways of communicating or getting information that you need, um, 
it, it's something to think about going forward. You want to make sure you can lay hands on documents that you need rather than, okay, I'll just pull it up on the computer three days after it hits. You know, it may not, may not be feasible. Also something to emphasize is information is key. Uh, with the internet, it's great. We can, we can push out forecasts. We can reach a lot of people, but please always be, be aware of, of what forecasts you're looking at and, and know the difference between a, a source that knows what they're talking about and someone that's just simply giving an opinion of something. And of course, you know, I, I give my plug. I work for WNCT9 on your side. I'm going to tell you every day that we're the best one to tune in and watch. That's my job. That's what I do, you know, but um, it, we do have an experienced staff here. I've got a lot of hurricane experience myself. Uh, David Sawyer on our staff, well-known local meteorologist. David's been with the station many years. We have newer meteorologists that work with us too. They are getting experience. So we've, we have a lot of people that have lived through hurricanes, a lot of people that know how to forecast hurricanes. We're not perfect. Nobody is, but we do, we do the best we know how to do. But regardless of where you're finding your information, it, it's so easy to get on the, the website or a, a, a Twitter account or a Facebook page of someone who maybe does not fully know what it is they're talking. Maybe they're just giving their opinion. Know your source of information. Right. That's awesome. Now, do you anticipate that because we're going through this COVID-19 situation, do you think um, that it's going to impact the hurricane season, such as evacuation, business closures, or other impacts that you might think? You know, though, and those are, are great questions. This is one of those times I'm really glad that I'm not on the policy end of decision making. It's hard enough forecasting where the thing's going to go, but there are considerations now that 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 people have probably never considered before. You know, what what if what if there's illness going on at the time we have a hurricane? So how do you handle an evacuation shelter? There's a need to be social distancing, and those there are all types of questions now that will come up that are going to have to be resolved. And I know a lot of local leaders have been have been working on okay what do we do you know how do we space out beds if we open up an emergency shelter and that type of thing so it's a it's a different game this year and I think a lot of people are going to be kind of feeling their way along as best they can yes and you know you 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 said before that information is key and I completely agree with that um, now since we are going through this global pandemic a lot of people are not even thinking of hurricane season right um, but where can um, consumers find relevant and reliable information? Or where can they have like a basic safety tip checklist um, just in case we get something in a few weeks or months? Uh, here at uh, WNCT, we actually have a, a hurricane center on our, our homepage at WNCT.com. Um, it's got a lot of good basic, you know, what you need to have for a hurricane checklist, what you need to have supply wise. Um, we try to be very proactive pushing that information out to viewers because we realize we have people moving to North Carolina new from other states all the time. So there are those of us who have lived here, we've been through hurricanes, there are those who are going through hurricanes for the very first time. So um, in terms of another, getting back to the information too, know what your flood risk is where you are. Um, we have a lot of people that you know, are moving to the coast, they need to know where evacuation routes are. Um, if, if evacuation orders are given, they are different based on community. So different community uh, leaders, different uh, coastal locations, they will have their own set of evacuation orders based on how the storm is tracking. And that's one thing we emphasize too. North Carolina's coastline is so varied 
Uh, we just don't have a straight stretch of beach. We have the Outer Banks. We have uh, sounds, Albemarle, Pamlico Sound. We have rivers. Uh, we have uh, little inlets, creeks. So a five-mile shift in track of the storm completely changes what storm surge potential is at point A versus point B. So your, uh, your local town officials, your local city officials, they are good to go to to figure out, okay, is there an evacuation order for this area? That information is disseminated, is, is disseminated through your uh, media outlets. And again, I'll always, I'll always be proactive for WNCT9 on your side. We, um, but we will, we will push out any evacuation orders on air. Um, when a storm is getting close to threatening, especially a week or so out, we have just constant during the day information being pushed out to our Facebook, our Twitter accounts, our website. We, we go under a completely different protocol here with a week or two out. So you'll find a volume of information that you would not find on a sunny day, let's say. So um, that, that's a good source of information to go. That's great. That's great. Awesome. Thank you for all that helpful information. Is there anything else that you want to share about storms or, or things that you've learned that our listeners might want to know? No, again, it, it, it just gets back to what we were talking a while ago, just common sense um, and, and staying informed. Th those are the two mo from reputable sources, sources that you know someone knows what they're talking about. It's not just an opinion. And, uh, and always be aware of what's going on. Know your flood-prone areas that you're in. Uh, know your proximity to a river or to a lake. Uh, this is a beautiful place to live, Eastern North Carolina. Our waterways, uh, that's, that's the main draw for everyone to come. We love our beaches. We love our lakes. We love our rivers. We don't get hit by hurricanes every year. So, you know, we don't, we don't try to. I never, I'm, I'm never the type of person that hides anything. When there's a time to be scared, I want you to be scared. When there's not a reason to be scared, I don't want you to be scared. So um, you, we can go some time without a hurricane landfall, but we are in an area that has had hurricanes before. We are in an area which has had major damage before. So you always need to be aware of that. And whenever a storm threatens, take it seriously. No matter its size, its direction, its track, take it seriously. Jerry, we thank you so much for your time and just great conversation. It's so cool to hear your story and where your passion lies, but also, you know, just your perspective on these storms and what we need to know and just enlightening our listeners on kind of a different viewpoint that maybe they've never been aware of before. So we thank you for that. And um, I thank you for having me. I appreciate that. Yes, thank you. And um, with that, guys, this wraps up another episode of Brunch with BBB. You can find more information on the BBB at BBB.org or follow us on social media at BBB Eastern NC. So thank you again, Louise, Jerry. It's been a pleasure. And until next time, bye guys. Thanks.